Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Are you ready? Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. This is Kate. Jennifer. And I'm John. How's everybody doing this morning? So good. I'm pretty good. We're, yeah. we're a half an hour early on our recording time. And it's really hot out today. It's so gross. But you know what? We were just complaining that there was no sunshine and how cold yeah, it's, it's been. Unseasonably cold. I think that uh, I would appreciate... I, you're absolutely right. We have been in winter for a long time. It's been very cold. And now we get to enjoy sun, sunlight and warmth and energy. But... Uh, I wish the turnaround wasn't so drastic. Yeah, we skipped it, spring. The, we skipped spring and went spring right to summer. Spring sprung right into summer. Yeah. And now it's going to be cold again next week. Well, no, it's actually going to be really nice next week. Yeah. Is yeah. it? For yeah. the yeah. Colorado? It's supposed to be like 70s. Perfect. I'm so excited. 70s is golf weather, people. What? what? <laughs> going to get that swing on? What? And the other thing about this week is it was sticky. Yeah. It's very it sticky. wasn't just that it was hot. It was like It felt oh. like hot breath. Although Sean, <laughs> Sean said if this is how it's humid here, He's gonna help thrive. Yeah. Well, no one's corn season hits though. We're Beth Ann was just talking about True. that. People are like, who's Beth Ann? She's not on the podcast ever. She's, she's but, a faithful servant. She's a faithful I servant. Serves in many areas. Yes, an honorary council. Awesome. Mm-hmm. She's been on council for 20 years. Yeah, secretary. That's a long time to be on council. She's a really special woman. She really If you is. don't know her, you should You should her. get to know her. And if you're in a different state listening to this, you should still track her down and get to know her. Don't do that. Don't do that. We do not encourage that. It's called stalking people. Uh, well, hey, we're, uh, we are in our second week of our series, Testify. Can I get a witness? What, what? Um, yes. All right. So I want to talk. Y- yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this week we have, um, we have the Dorn Camp sharing, which none of you have seen the video yet. No. I have, but you guys have not yet because we record early. But they're cool. They are, yeah, and it's and she's on our worship team. Um, Mark's great guy. He actually helps in kids ministry. Yeah, now. he's newly recruited volunteer. I hope he's loving it. He came back for a second time, so that's a good sign. It's always <laughs> a good sign when they come back twice, right? Um, so we were, but we wanted to get into again the purpose of stories, and we were talking about those the seven primary stories, and, and we're not going to go through all those again. But uh, what happens when Jesus inters- intersects with our story? What happens when Jesus comes into our story? How does that change? And I'd love to hear from you guys. How did Jesus, when, you know, even if you were raised in the church or you came to faith later, how did Jesus change your story? Oh my gosh. Okay. I can't help it, but mine is just so fresh. So I'm going to go first because I think I was, I'm the most recent out of all of us. Uh, seven years, almost to the day. Uh, that I've been a Christian. And what's crazy about my story, when Jesus came into my life, I I know I reference it all the time. The Chosen is an excellent show, really well made. And one of my favorite parts is when Nicodemus corners Mary and says, who did this? Nobody but God could have cured you. Who did this? And she says, I don't know what to tell you. I was one way before, and now I'm a completely different way. And all that stands in between is him. Jesus literally flipped my life upside down. I was a victim of abuse at a church as a kid, and now I am a children's director at a church, two kids, and I get to share the love of Jesus. I don't know what to tell you except for in between was him. Yeah. You know? 
So that, that would be your, I once was, now I am. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it completely, it wasn't overnight. It's been seven years that I've been working on this. I just finished my first year of being a director um, in children's ministry. Isn't that so, crazy? Isn't that crazy? But I've been one. a Christian for seven years. So it's like, it's the timelines, it's a process, you yeah. know, and the walking in obedience. There was a time in my life when I first found Jesus where my body still had the habits of an old life. Yeah. Like it, the places I went, the people I hung out with, but it like even the food I ate that I used to find enjoyment in, it was like, it felt like ash in my mouth. Like it just isn't the same. This isn't what brings me joy. And I felt like I was living two lives. Yeah. That I would go out on a Friday or a Saturday and then put on a totally different person to go Sunday morning to church. You know, and it was like, I, was, I used to call it, I'm dragging around this dead Adam, yeah. this zombie that I would resurrect every <laughs> Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And have to bury again in shame, you know, but really it was Holy Spirit conviction. And when I started to walk in that obedience, yeah. that stopped happening, that I finally left that zombie body at Jesus's feet. <laughs> I know, sorry to get graphic, but like <laughs> kids, man, man, I can't help it. I love it. Brains. Well, I think for me, um, you know, I came to Christ during the midst of my parents' divorce. And for me, I think it was just... Um, Honestly, I really didn't know what was happening in the moment. I was at a, like, it was very like a uh, sinner's prayer, like at a concert. Um, I just happened yeah, what to. What was the concert? I don't remember. Wow. You don't remember the concert? No, wow. but I do remember. <laughs> I do remember that the, the girl who invited me to go several years later when I was working in public safety, she had a warrant. So unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to lie with it. That's just such a, that's such a shift. The irony. The irony. But anyway, um. People with warrants can still love Jesus, so yes. that's fine. But anyway, um, and I, it was like kind of a bizarre thing. Like it was like, okay, if you said, you know, basically if you said yes to Jesus, and those aren't their words, I think they were like much different. But like, follow this way. And I think about how strange that is now. Of like, you just ushered a bunch of like seventh, eighth grade girls, what into a room, into a room, and like, whatever. It was fine. <laughs> but I just think that in that moment of like. There was a lot of uncertainty in my life. We had moved a couple of times and, um, you know, my parents were in the midst of a divorce, which was really interesting because I never, like, I don't recall my parents fighting. I don't recall there being like horrible times at home. And so, and I don't know, some of that could be God's protection or provision over my memories, but also I feel like it just was kind of like unsettling, like everything yeah. was unsettling. And so there was a certainty in, in Jesus, a, a stability in Jesus. And I think that's what, um, clung me to him not even so much his love because i do think that i had very loving parents growing up yeah. but just the stability of that and i think what's been really interesting as into adulthood and like as you walk into obedience like kate was saying is like there are many intersections there are many intersections many stories many stories and it's yeah. like okay i have my like quote-unquote conversion story when i before i was a christian and then i was a christian but it's like now it's like i'm a christian and i'm being you know, conformed to the image yes. of Christ. I'm a Christian and I'm being sanctified. And like those intersections sometimes are are scarier, more profound, more difficult, more life-changing than my conversion story yep. when I was in seventh or eighth grade. And so anyway. Yeah, I would agree with that. My, my conversion story is almost a blip on my radar now. It's the, I would, I would say I've had multiple conversions. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, that's, I, I think I shared this in a previous podcast months ago, but for the longest time I always equated myself to Peter because I'm known for saying really dumb things at the wrong time, or, but also being very bold. Sure. And as I've gotten older, I realize I'm more like a Paul mm -hmm. and that uh, my largest conversion was not to faith. It was to grace. Mm 
Amen. And that was, I think, the hardest part yeah. for me to understand. And, and so when I think about my once was, um, you know, Jesus is intersected. I've had lots of plot lines. And if you came yeah. on Sunday, you heard those different plot lines. But um, I think a big one for me was um, unwanted to wanted. Yeah. That was a big one for me. Uh, so much of my story was feeling unwanted. Sure. And, and Jesus oh. still speaks into that. Not to like go there, but Enneagram wise, like unwanted, such a wanted, seven. but I couldn't, <laughs> such a seven, but I couldn't help to think that like mine was feeling not needed, yeah. but being okay. Like, no, you're not needed. You're yeah. wanted. You're going from yeah. not needed sure. to wanted. Yeah. And that's for it's me. Definitely. Like, I actually still don't like being needed because if you need me, it means you don't love me. I don't love oxygen. I need oxygen. You can't love something you need. It's because yeah. love is a choice. And so, but that, that's for me. And I still think about even my grace. Um, who's I, I was just talking to somebody about it is that uh, when you, when you start to feel entitled to grace, it's no longer grace. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm reminded of grace is a gift. Yeah. And I'm not entitled to it. And that's what makes mm-hmm. it so amazing. And I think about particularly uh, my mid twenties to early thirties is when I first started kind of encountering that storyline of I didn't understand God's love. And I've shared that before. I didn't understand love. I thought how what it meant to love people was to argue with them and debate them and get them to agree with me. And then they understand God's love miraculously. <laughs> um, but realizing how important grace is and for people who are coming with um, pain and heartache, which everybody has. Everybody's everybody's got trauma in their life, and there's no. I big, always say the no worst thing that has ever happened to someone is still so the worst thing. thing that's ever yeah, happened. absolutely. Yeah. And that's I think that was a big part for me. How about how about you, John? What what was uh, again? You I know you shared you shared your encounter on the the Christ hike, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds eerily like my Christian rap band in high school Christ hype. I just want to plug for uh, uh-huh. early '90s Christian back, rap band. <laughs> Toby we're gonna go on the Toby. No, Mac we're not. We're not. Again. But uh, so if you, if I mean, do you? Can you think of a, a time in your life where Jesus intersected with your story, where He redefined your story? Well, uh, I think there were a lot of little moments. So I grew up in the church and was, you know, going to Sunday school every week, and then going to confirmation, and then you know, going to uh, youth events and camp. So I was, I was exposed to it, but I think it was one of those things where I would slowly learn things over time or like be exposed to things. I remember in college, I was part of a ministry group. And one of the things that we did as kind of a challenge is kind of like a get uncomfortable so that you can meet people and bring them in was we went out on the campus and just talked to people about Jesus. And it's the thing that I am so very uncomfortable <laughs> and I was like why am I doing this why are we doing this this is like and I haven't really done that since necessarily but it's come up where I'll just be in a situation and somebody will ask a question and, or several questions and I'm, I'm like sitting there going God is this are you do you want me to do you want me to say something? Do you, you want me to say something, don't you? I'm gonna say something. And 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 having that that knowledge that he's giving me, even though in the moment it's it's very slow going and it's very like, why do I need to why am I learning this? Why do I need to know this? I think sometimes for me, being in the church, and this is not an indicative of everyone who grows up in the church, but I think yeah. for me, I was 
like convinced that, oh, okay, well, everything's fine and I don't, I don't need to change. I've already got Jesus. Like I already yeah. know Jesus and, and I'm great. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm set. I'm perfect. I don't need anything else. And then realizing, no, I struggle just the same as everybody else. It's yeah. just, I can. You didn't. You didn't have the. I once was lost. I'm it's more like, realized, I've been found all along, but that doesn't mean you still don't get lost. Well, yeah. yeah well, I'm, I'm, I'm more realizing. Yeah. In the prodigal side. Yeah. I'm more realizing that. Um, I I I slip up every single day, just like anybody else, and I need grace just as much as anybody else, and so offering it to people and going out and finding those opportunities and being more proactive in that rather than just sitting back and being like, well, I'm good. So I, you know, everybody else will take care of themselves. I don't need to do anything. I think, um, I say this a lot, but like the harder you follow Jesus, the harder it is to follow Jesus because the the more you seek him, the more you realize how far you fall short Mm -hmm. and how much work you have to do. And so it's this like beautiful conundrum, like where the, you know, seventh, eighth grade Jen is, it's oh yeah my sins are forgiven I get to eternity and like Ooh, going to heaven yeah and yep. like adulthood Jen is like I got a lot of work to do yeah, you well, know and yeah when you think about like because again we are created story creatures that's what this whole series is about is testimonies testifying our stories we live in stories and we create new stories all the time we're not just we don't just have one story we have lots of little rabbit stories that go on what happens when Jesus intersects with your story at work because mm-hmm. we have a, we have a work story, we have a home story, yeah. we have a childhood story, we have a friend's story, you know. And I was I was thinking about this, you know. This week we talked about the the demoniac, uh, the demon possessed man, who and Jesus encountered. That's not a fan, fun word for people that live in Des Moines, by the way. The demoniac. <laughs> the demoniac. <laughs> Never ever got it. I'm Boo. so sorry. <laughs> Actually, that was a good one. I know it was really good. I'm booing it because I didn't think of it. <laughs> you can use it. It's the Demoniac. That's why we don't live in Des Moines. That's right. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, Thinking through, I mean, the the truth is, is that Jesus had multiple encounters with people that had demon possession. and mm-hmm. But I, we actually took it a little bit different way because part of this story is realizing that sometimes people don't necessarily agree with the Bible story. And some people don't think like, for instance, we talked about the demon possessed man. Um, but there are a lot of people who deal with mental health issues or drug addiction who may exhibit some of the same things. And sometimes these stories become obstacles because if you don't believe in the supernatural, I don't think it's demon possession. Now you want to discount it. Mm-hmm. And yet we have to look at what's the end result. Instead of getting fixated on whether or not demon possession is real or not, the real question is, even if he had mental health issues, how did he go from being this man who was roaming around naked in a tomb right, in sure. a graveyard, who was breaking chains and un- unbearable strength and no one could handle him and he was isolating to now all of a sudden he's sitting at the feet of Jesus learning and he's clothed right. and he's testifying. Like that's still a miracle. Right. Absolutely. We don't see that happen and today. Actually, I, okay. I'm, I'm like nervous and I'm going to like blaspheme right now. That could be a greater miracle. Like casting out demons is a miracle. Receiving healing is also a miracle. It's not a great miracle. Yeah. That's, that wasn't like true, but it's like, they're both miracles, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. so there's actually, there was a, um, a theologian in the 1920s who believed that none of the miracles are actually miraculous. So he wanted to get, he, he was a naturalist and still believed in God, still believed in Jesus. I don't know how he reconciled the resurrection uh, and a very, sure. very well-known theologian, very mm-hmm. respected. 
but he he wanted to naturalize all the miracles. And I think that's where we get so hung up is we're so busy. I can't prove that that person was demon possessed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what I can say is he was one way this way and now he's a different way now. Amen. I think we've talked about that several times Mm -hmm. the last couple of podcasts when we were referencing like Jonah and we were referencing Genesis and creation story. When you start getting hung up on the details in scripture and forgetting the content, you know, what is the saying of the character of God? What is this saying? If this is supposed to be a a, a first eye witness account Mm -hmm. of Jesus is miracles yeah in what context 2000 years ago don't get hung up on the details look at the miraculous yeah. either way it's a miraculous way, thing miraculous. yeah and, and i get more part of the slippery slope that people are afraid of is then well the resurrection isn't real either mm. well no there are clearly things that are rooted in history that if, if the resurrection didn't happen then we're wasting our time right. that's paul Absolutely. right um, the healing, the thing not to be d- debated is the miraculous the part. Healing. Like the healing right Absolutely. now, the whether healing, it be demonic that's or right. mental health, it's still the miracle. That happening does matter. Yes. yes. And and, yeah. and while we do see, I mean, there, I think there was, there's clear evidence of uh, in Bible that in the Bible that there are, the Bible acknowledges, sorry, I'm trying to get my thought around. <laughs> it's coming out, I promise. Um, it's early. Uh I think the Bible does show that it recognizes in that world that there were mental health issues and yeah, then yes. there were demonic issues and yeah. that there they were didn't some have words for things like that. Well, though, but sometimes as they well. as well. Sometimes they did. Like we, you know, they understood anxiety, cast your cares upon me, like that's anxiousness. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't understand bipolar disorder or schizophrenia yeah. or diso- dissociative Chronic disorder. Depression. Those were not words. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but they they did they clearly had that. In fact, in Mark chapter three, you have this where Jesus is going around, and I was I was looking at thinking about this because this is so funny. Um, Jesus starts doing all these crazy things. Now I want you to imagine if someone today started gathering people to himself, proclaiming that he was going to overthrow the government single handedly. Eat my flesh. And, well, he he doesn't even gotten there yet. At this point, he's just going around. He's calling sinners. He's claiming to yeah. heal people, yeah. and he's got crowds following him. Now he's got disciples, and he's not acting like a normal rabbi. And and in John and Mark chapter three, his family. His brothers and sisters, who James, if you believe James is the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the book of James, which I do, James is like, yo, Jesus, I grew up with you. You, there's something wrong. They wanted to institutionalize him, essentially. They wanted to keep him homebound. However, the Pharisees were convinced he was demonized. And they were both wrong. Because they didn't understand even his own family, which is weird for me because Mary understood that he was the Christ or that he was the son of God in him. But there's that there's that element where it shows that they understood that not everything was demon possession. And there's those two gutters. Right. We've all um, we've talked about. I don't want to say all, but we have talked about that. Sometimes the wounds in the church come is one where we dismiss people's stories as immediately demonic. Yeah. Instead of acknowledging mental health issues. So I think about the people in my life who are dealing with um, uh, regular, like a chronic depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, and they don't want medicine because they're convinced that somehow taking medicines, they're failing God (laughs) or they're like, I just, I feel like I'm only supposed to do it natural, but they wouldn't do that for anything else. Uh, Lisa, and I I think I'm going to share this on Sunday. I remember when my wife was going through severe depression you know how many people told us, well, you're just not praying enough. One person even prescribed tithing more. Mm. Like the reason why you're depressed is you're you're not tithing enough. 
which is weird because tithing means 10%. So you're either doing 10% or you're not. <laughs> but that's a side conversation. But their solution was they over-spiritualized yeah, more it. More obedience, essentially. Yeah, and what they ended up doing was abusing. That's a yeah, form that's, of spiritual that's, abuse. That's not the character of God no. to be a vending machine. You put in some more obedience, yeah, you put in some more absolutely. prayer, some more tithing, and then I get my Kit Kat, a.k.a. cured. I get my healing. Mm-hmm. Right. And that doesn't mean we don't pray for it. Like that's I have, not how it works. When Lisa yeah. was struggling with her depression, and she's given me carte blanche to share this story because it's part of her story. It's part of our story as a married couple. Um, we prayed over it all the time. Yeah. And the miracle for her, and this was, and I still believe it was a miracle, when she got pregnant, she didn't have baby blue. She had the exact opposite. It regulated her hormones. Mm. But we prayed. She prayed. She fasted. We did all that stuff. And it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't provide. But I think what the problem becomes, and this is why I wanted to bring this up in the message, is we get so hung up on the detail of whether or not we think demon possession, we're forgetting it's, it's not a, it's the story. It's still a healing. It's still a healing. It's yeah. the, I once wasn't, and, and I don't understand right. why God doesn't do these all the time or the same way. Last week we talked about, it's not like Sarah and, and Scott Lester who shared their testimony. Their marriage was dead. They didn't die. Right. Mm-hmm. None of the stories were about that. None of the stories were about a, a recovered divorce. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we have a God who brings dead things back to life. And yeah. do I believe God can heal the dead? Yes, I do believe he can. Does he? Well, they're called miracles for a reason. Like it happens very infrequently. Yeah. So let me let me ask, okay, so here's the, here's the question. When we think about, um, it, t- it tells us that the... The demon-possessed man then went to the town. Jesus, he wanted to follow Jesus after being healed. And Jesus says, no, you need to go home. Yeah. And I think it's crazy to think about. And Mike Bartlett did a really cool little teaching on this at Celebrate Recovery. Fun plug for that. Thursday nights at 6 o'clock. And he talked about how the demons begged to be released in the pigs. And they begged Jesus to leave the town. And each time he answers the request and the man begs Jesus to come with him and he says no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, and it's, and that's, um, you have, there's actually an irony there. That's kind of the beauty. That's an, uh, uh, a literary, a literary device, device of irony where he says, yes, he gives everybody the yes, except for the one person you'd expect him to say yes, yeah. he says no to. Mm-hmm. But I, I want like, think about that. How does going home feel for somebody? Like I think about that story. And how many people just don't feel like they have a home? There's a, a phrase that's been coming out more in the last probably 10 years, the spiritually homeless. Mm. And we were talking about this this morning is that I feel like at Zion, um, our harvest right now, we're not seeing a lot of new believers. We're seeing a lot of people coming home. Yeah. And I think we see that a little bit nationwide. There is a trend of that deconstruction where yeah. people feel harmed by other people who happen to go to church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Pastors. Right. Programs. I mean, it's. We see a lot of that. So, okay. Let's, I want you to imagine for a moment. And I, I kind of want to paint again because the point of this is story. What do you think that was like when he went home? What do you think it was like for his family? Yeah. Like, I think everybody thinks roses. I, I picture his family going, what are you doing here? I remember <laughs> one of the first few days after I accepted Jesus, like literally was on an office floor, snot rolling down my face, accepting Jesus as Lord. I had never said those words out loud before. And that like next few days and week was just a blur. It was, it really was for me. I remember somebody saying in my home, 
you're taking this Jesus thing too far. Yep. <laughs> my, I remember my own parents being like, are yep. you in a cult? Like, are you okay? Like, you're so different. We were talking about that fear yeah. that it causes, that, that fear of God's yep. power. I bet it was bizarre for him. Uh, and for the I family, think, yeah. yeah. And I do think there was, there was probably elements of celebration. Can you imagine the joy that got restored yeah. after having lives of years or how I don't know however long of demon possession and having so much of your life robbed and stolen from you and not just from the man who was possessed but from his family yeah. because yeah. when you when your son comes back and now he's your son again yeah. that is restoring joy that is restoring life back yeah. to that household so yeah bizarre kind of crazy yeah. but also I think there are elements of like okay this is real. Wow, and like I wonder if they even asked the question: Is this real? Yeah, is this is this real? Is this is like they needed some time to figure out? Like sometimes that's part of the story is we we think the story is done and our human nature is to go I don't trust this yet, because we still have a story that there's still elements that. But I just also love the fact that he was told to go home. Yeah, he wasn't told to go to the grocery store or even go to church. I mean, he was Gentile, so yeah, Hmm. he wasn't. I'm just trying to like modernize it. He wasn't told to go anywhere else but to his house and just how much ministry the home provides yeah. or should provide and the, the sanctuary of that and the 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 fact that your testimony is so powerful to the ones around you yeah because if they truly see a transformed life like they know they know who you were yeah you know i i know i remember in the text it says jesus is he says go back home and tell what god has done to you and then it says and he went back and preached to people about what God had done for him. One of the first witnesses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder, <laughs> I think about like me, if I, if I was that guy, I, I feel like maybe I'd be a little bit, I mean, it says he went back and told people about what God had done for him. But I wonder if there was that moment where if they were like, oh, it's him. Uh, I don't know what to think about you. I don't know what to think about yeah. all of this. And there's a little bit of distance. He's like maybe disheartened a little bit of like, oh, I'm these, sure. these are the people that I have to talk to. Like the people that kicked me out of town. And I, rem- I wonder if he remembers anything from his life before it's, as well. Maybe like, not. Yeah. Does he remember being chained down? In- yeah. Well, and so that'd be I, so crazy. Well, and even in, it's interesting that when, you know, I'm looking at the text right now, yeah. it's in yeah. Luke chapter eight and it says that they were the people were overcome with fear. Yeah. And I think sometimes, and you just alluded to this, and I experienced the same thing when I became a Christian. At first, it was really cool that I was a Christian because, you know, meant I wasn't hopefully going to do drugs and get people pregnant, which, by the way, Christians don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got the same thing. You're taking this way too seriously. Like, you know, yeah. you need to, you need to, faith is good, but you shouldn't let it rule everything. Yeah. And I'm like, that is the exact opposite of the message of Jesus. That's not what lordship means. <laughs> but that fear piece, um, first of all, I, I think it's important for us to remember that these are Gentiles. So they weren't, they didn't believe in Yahweh. They didn't believe in the God of the Bible. Yeah. They believed in demon possessions, but they were demons uh, that were akin more to what we see in, in Muslim culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, roaming spirits or little gods that, you know, came in and messed with people. Mm-hmm. And... He, I don't, he doesn't tell him to go to the temple because the temple would have been the temple of Zeus or Artemis or whatever sure. is the temple there. But I wonder if in going home, I wonder if part of what they're also the other side of it is, is that I think sometimes it's scary when you see a change in somebody and you can't explain it. 
Sure. Because it's oh. because yeah. and I think I think that's why they were afraid. It's like they've never seen that kind of level of authority. We were and, just talking about the movie Phenomenon. Yeah, right? yeah, John Travolta. John Travolta, you know, how his town, they at first it's scary or it like gets there, you know, and how he's miraculously brain tumored, whatever. But like I think of that as he this starts guy. like raising things with his mind and learning Portuguese in ten yeah. minutes and people <laughs> people are terrified of the unknown and they have no idea how this happens. Especially if they're Gentiles, they have no idea. Well, and they, I mean, that's that's the part. You look at Jesus, and the way they would have explained that in the Gentile world is this must be a demigod. Yeah. This must be like a Hercules who yeah. is part god, part man. But even then, they didn't. They, they had no room for it. And I, I think about sometimes our stories, the resistance. I wonder if the reason why we get resistance to not from non-believers when we share our stories is partly there's fear of well, I don't understand that. Or the fear of I don't like who you are now. I you were safe before. I knew how. I knew what box to put you in. Mm-hmm. You know, you were the drug addict. You were you were the mentally ill person. You were this. You were mm-hmm. this. And then all of a sudden, when that box, that story gets destroyed, someone has. It's scary to have to reframe your a story of that yeah. you have for somebody else, right? Especially if you've yeah. built other constructs around that. Yeah. And it all starts. This is getting down. really deep. I know. I love <laughs> this. Is, this is getting so. We should move on. <laughs> we should. But I will cook. so even thinking about you know the previous week we talked about the woman with the bleeding issue when Jesus intersected with her story she had twelve years of isolation. Yeah. Oh. And I can't fathom 12 years of not, like, first of all, physical touch is one of my love languages. I'm a hugger. Mm. I, I, I love hugs. I love giving hugs. But imagine going 12 years of being isolated, that you can't even sit on a stool without the fear of making somebody unclean because you have a bleeding issue. Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus, instantly, she now has to reframe 12 years of how she's understood her story, all changes in a moment how easy it would have been to keep on assuming I need to be isolated. Even though yeah. she's been set free, yeah. you go back yeah. to what you know. Yes. And I wonder how many of us, ooh, ooh, oh, okay. I think that this is going to go into next week's. <laughs> I wonder how many of us return to the old story because the old story is safe. Oh, there's mm-hmm. so much research that I'm, write that down. Yeah, I'm writing that down do right it. now. <laughs> there's so much research, especially in trauma therapy and trauma, like, Books like The Body Keeps the Score, you know, that your body physically and the way that your brain wires. Now, let's take the woman, the bleeding issue. For 12 years, she functioned a certain way. How she got her food, how she went about her life in her town was all based around this one thing. And now that changes overnight. Do you think the habits and the way she lives her life is going to change overnight? And then we wonder why when somebody first comes to Jesus... Well, yeah. you're new. Why aren't you acting like yes. it yet? Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Do you know how long that takes? And plus, I do think Still taking. Like, Still taking. Absolutely. And I think also, like, we see Jesus asking, like, do you want to get well? Yeah. And I think there yeah. is so much associated with the fact of, like, your life and your identity and everything you know uh-huh. is about to be flipped upside down. Yeah. It sounds like you want it. It sounds like it's such a dumb question. It's like, would you, what do you want from me? It's like, what are, you, what are you talking about, Jesus? I want to be well. I want to be yeah. healed. So it's funny that you, you say that because next week's scripture is the pool at Bethesda, yeah. which Jesus asked or, the man, yeah. do you want? of course he wants to get well. And and I think, again, I don't want to give away for next week. because <laughs> Yeah, don't spoil our list. And that's also when the baptism is. Yeah. Super excited for that. But, so but I mean, if, I'll, if I can speak to that, because I have no idea what you're going to say. I do think, <laughs> I do think like 
we want to get well from the bleeding issue, but we don't want to get well always in our mind from the isolation. That's right. Like there are, there are. It's a coping we, mechanism. We we see like so such a small part of it, and we say, yeah, well, of course I want healing from that, but we, our mind hasn't caught up to the fact that no, like I also need healing from being alone yeah. and being lonely and yeah. what that means. Or the walls that I put up. Like yes. you learn to survive by putting up those walls. Now I have to let those walls down and that's scary. There's a difference uh, between walking as a survivor and walking yeah. in victory. That's right. It changes. Well, and survivor, when you're a survivor, yes. you're living as somebody who's constantly living of, look what I, I went through this. I've survived. I've survived. Living in victory yes. is, it's a different place. I always say when I'm talking to people that surviving is baseline. Yeah. Life survives. Yeah. That is base. You should, abundant life is victory. And to quote Jurassic Park, oh. life finds a way. Oh, we're what? doing all the movie references. I mean, if we're going to so do the movie references. So many storylines. So many stories. Some okay. say there's up to 36 My stories. My dear Dr. Grant, welcome to Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, you know, you know life, life finds a way. That was my Jeff Goldblum, which was yeah, really yeah. horrible. <laughs> that was a really bad Jeff Goldblum. I can't do it. Um, all right. So uh, when we think about this idea of story, part of what we see in Jesus, and this is the, the biggest theme that we see throughout every miracle, every time Jesus encounters somebody, whether it be the leper, um, the paralyzed man, and, and the laws in Judaism, and, and maybe this would be helpful, the laws in Judaism had all these things that determined somebody was ritually unclean. Didn't mean they were sinners. It meant that they were ritually unclean, that they were in unclean and impure before a holy God because they encountered death or disease, and God doesn't have death or disease. Those things are not of the Lord. And sometimes we misunderstand and think unclean means sin. Yeah. Sin makes us unclean, yeah. but not all not all things that are unclean are sinful. So, for instance, um, do you know the reason why they painted whitewashed tombs was the tombs sometimes you didn't know you were walking among tombs and people would, they were afraid that they'd walk through them and become defiled because you're not supposed to be around dead things. Yeah. And so they whitewashed them so that they would stand out. So you'd go, oh, tomb. there's a tomb there. Avoid the dead. From like... Just as an exciting thing to think about, like from an anthropological side of that, that, that thank you, that that civilization as we grow into more advanced civilization, that to be around dead things is dangerous. Like you really yes. shouldn't like. You know, it infects your water, the way that decay, the the, yeah. the kind of animals and bugs and disease that it attracts decay. So it's it's very it's a part of our, you know, um, progression as yeah. human beings to bury the dead, to not be around yeah. dead. That's how you can see an advancement. Well, we know death is is the opposite of life. The uh, the downside of that of opposite of advancement is we don't always know how to deal with death. Yes, mm -hmm. we don't know how to deal with sickness and some or things that appear death. Which is why when you start getting into uh, mental health issues, physical mm -hmm. disabilities, our culture becomes so uncomfortable with it because it, we know that that's pointing to something that doesn't feel like life. Yeah. And so we, our immediate response is isolate. But here's the thing we find about Jesus, whether it be the leper, which, by the way, most cases were not actually leprosy. Perfect example of the Bible had only language. If I have a, I have a patch of dry skin right here. According to Leviticus, I'm unclean and no one should be around me. I'm just letting you guys know that right now. So I'm making... Evacuate. The, evacuate. The no. But this patch of dry skin, if it stays dry, I, I had to go to the priest. The priest would diagnose it, would put some water on it, some mixture of something. And if it went away, I'd be declared clean. If it came back, I'd be un, unclean and I had to... 
basically isolate until it disappeared or I would have leprosy. And so you had people who Jesus would touch the leper. Jesus would touch the dead girl. Mm-hmm. Jesus would raise, touch the dead man. Jesus would touch the demon possessed. All of these were unclean things. Yep. Doesn't mean they were sinful. They're, the sin wasn't what made them unclean. It was because they didn't match ritual purity, which is weird for us because we don't think that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the only way we can equate this today, because we don't really have that mindset, we don't think of things making us unclean anymore. Mm-hmm. It's you're going to get dirty. And Jesus was not afraid to get dirty. And sometimes that dirtiness meant that other people might think he was unclean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when he touches the leper, that in itself, I mean, we know true leprosy, some of it can be contagious skin to skin contact. Most of it's not. But Jesus touched it knowing full well, it doesn't matter if I get sick. First of all, he's Jesus like, I'll just heal it. Boop. <laughs> by the way, I think that's how Jesus healed. He just, boop. yep. That's, mm-hmm. And he, by the way. Just letting you guys know this. If you ever want to make something fun, uh-huh. anytime there's physical contact or something, if you say boop in a movie, it always makes it better. Way better. <laughs> Way better. <laughs> Way better. Way better. Just boop. Fight it's scene. The, the boop. rule of boop. It's the rule of boop. Oh. Jennifer is I looking at me like, Jason, one. why are you talking I right now? I'm so thankful for this uh, movie education. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on stories. Three act play and the rule of Boop. The rule of boop. It's 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 in there. It's most people don't know it. It's in it's in right. good writing. Yeah. But um, you're right. Helping people causes a messiness. Like Jesus was not afraid to be unclean. We should not be afraid to be in people's messes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think part of what happens in church sometimes is what we'll say. Uh, we we every. There's no perfect people, and yet then when messy, pe- messy yeah, people come, come in. yeah, that's the thing about saying that people can come as they are. They come as they are. <laughs> they actually, they are. When they actually do it, and then you get like I, I remember I met with somebody for two hours out of the blue. They just happened to come in, and it uh-huh. was a wonderful experience. But it's like you have to be aware that when you invite people into your your church and your ministries. That they're going to come as they are. And sometimes that's messy. And sometimes it's messy. Actually, yeah. almost always it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like a mindset that you can unconsciously develop where it's like we are all we're all striving to be more like Jesus, mm-hmm. which you know, we want we've always said here on the podcast and and it on Sundays too, it's like we want to be a healthier church, not a perfect church. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes I think you can get the mindset of like, ooh. You, you, sir, you, ma'am, you are not perfect. Clearly not not perfect. So you need to work on that. You deal with that. And And then then once you've got it together, then you can. And then then we get into the question of boundaries. Like, because that's, it doesn't mean we don't have boundaries around stuff, but it means we don't isolate people. Yes. Boundaries is not the same as isolation. Boundaries is saying, hey, I realize that you might want to merge with me too much and this is becoming unhealthy or you're depending on me. You want me to be your savior. I think that I'm not your savior. A lot of times people throw around the word boundaries and they don't really know what a good boundary is. And they say, well, I'm going to set a boundary so you can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. That's actually a manipulative statement. That's me controlling. (laughs) That's me trying to control you. I can actually see you saying that to somebody. Oh, I know. I'm just going to stop you. That's a manipulative statement. And I say, actually, I'm going to set a boundary and I'm not going to let you talk to me like that. So I'm going to walk away. Mm. That's a boundary. There's a difference. Boundaries affect you. You cannot control someone else. That's manipulation. So, uh, all right. Final question. (laughs) No, it's okay. Final question. And it comes down to... um, 
the demons, I mean, again, I, we believe in spiritual warfare. We believe demon possession is real. We believe there's demonic. Now, I want to make it clear. I do not believe that a Christian can be demon possessed. Darkness cannot invade light. Light pushes out the darkness. We can be oppressed. That's a very different thing. Mm -hmm. But we see the authority of Christ. And Jesus gives us that authority. I'm curious, why do you think so many of us lack our, don't understand our authority or lack the authority, um, not for miraculous healing, because it's God who heals and he heals when he wants to, not because yeah. I tell him to. Um, what, do you, what do you think the disconnect for so many Christians when it comes to the authority of Christ? Because Jesus had ultimate authority. So when yeah. he said, get out of that man, they left. We're not Jesus. We have the same yeah. power in us, but... Well, and he, Jesus addresses his authority right before the Great Commission. That's right. And he says, I, like, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. And so I do think we often will take the Great Commission, totally off topic, but we forget the authority that Christ has earned yeah. and deserves and that we forget that he has passed that on to us. And so I think there's a lot of things we don't do in authority because we don't. We, I, I don't think we understand it, and I don't think we live in that power of, like, well, what does it really mean to have the Holy Spirit indwell in you, yeah. to, have, to have the Spirit of God in you? Like, no, you can you can do all things according to God's will, through, through Christ, obviously. Yeah. I think that when I started to understand, you know, when we say, like, in the name of Jesus— it's not the the physical English lettering of J E S U S. Because <laughs> that's the not the name really of Jesus. Name. That if you if you bang against a wall and happen to make the sounds that sound like Jesus, you've done something in the name of Jesus. Oh. That's not what we're talking about. Like when you start to understand that the authority is entrusted to you yeah. within you as a dwelling place, as a temple, that it's Christ's authority in yeah. you. Yeah. It's not your authority. Right. It's not the words you're saying. It's not your brain. It's not your body. You're a temple. You're a vessel for an incredible, powerful God yeah. within you. And that's the authority that you can speak into per his will. When you start to understand that, it's incredible the kind of things, that, the transformation that you can see around you. Well, I, I look at the life of people in the church, and I think most of the issues that we come to is either one, we don't understand our authority, we abuse our authority, or three, we don't, or we don't want the authority. Yeah. And I think those are three lies that we buy into yeah. is when you don't understand your authority, I watch so many Christians walking around as victims, yes. survivors, mm -hmm. and they, they think that all it is is about the forgiveness of their sins. That's it. And they're going to heaven and this, this whole, this is a giant waiting tank until yeah. you yeah. Jesus. It becomes you know, a power dynamic yeah. struggle. Right? Or, you, 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 you replace power with authority or yeah. authority with power. They're not the same. And then that's, I think, the second part is then you have some individuals that they, it's all about the power and authority and they neglect. No, you're a steward of that power sure. and authority. You are not the source of that power and authority. And, and this is not according to your will either. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And when you're, and that's why we need the Holy Spirit. And, and I think there's a danger. This is where I, I get so nervous in the church world, particularly for my charismatic brothers and sisters, who I consider myself charismatic. Um, but when we start saying things like the Lord told me, yeah, that's authoritative language. And now there's no room for error. There's no room for, hey, you know, I just ate something weird last night. Now it's no, this is God speaking to you mm -hmm. or even to myself. Like I've, I can't tell you how many times I've had, well, I've, the Lord told me last night that I need to do X, Y, and Z. And we're supposed to have community. And then the third one is, I think some people truly don't want the authority because it's responsibility. And it's scary. It There's is. a fear component with that, that 
comes in. I, I can't be trusted with that. Well, why would God trust me with that? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Am I worth Yes. Yeah. I'm not worthy of it. Right. We're not worthy, another movie restaurant. Mm-hmm. We are worms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I do think that our Christian walks would be, and the world around us would be so profoundly affected if we understood yeah. that authority yeah. and, and utilized it properly for the glory of God. And to quote what you've been praying for all this series, Revelation, overcoming comes through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Our first authority comes through Jesus. But then our testimony. Mm-hmm. And that's the part where I think I, my hope is through this, this whole series. It's just a three-week series. But my hope through this is that we'll realize Stories are powerful Mm -hmm. and God uses, he still uses story. He used story and he's using stories and your story matters. And I I would, I want to give a challenge to everybody who's listening. Think about your story. Could you tell your story? I once was, now am. And you may not think it's profound, but you have no idea how God wants to use that. And I would even go as far as saying, I once was yesterday. And now and today, I'm, yeah. I'm this. Yeah. yeah. Like well, sometimes that's, that's even more powerful than what happened 25 years ago. Yeah, because here's, I mean, I think about, now we're rabbit trailing, but I think about how many stupid decisions I made post-Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still making dumb decisions. Amen. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I still needed, I still need a savior. I need Jesus now more today than I did yes. the day I first got saved because back then I just wanted to be saved. Now I forget that I am saved and I need to be reminded that much more. You know, we're talking about stories and testimonies and because so my, my background is writing and storytelling and that sort of thing. And the, one of the biggest things they tell you in writing class is if you want to have a story that can connect with people conflict is the central theme conflict is is what drives your story forward and i always think about that i'm like i don't want conflict in my life i don't want conflict <laughs> as in an my enneagram story. nine as an yeah. nine especially i don't want conflict textbook nine. And, and it and it's like the the encounters that we have with people are so messy they're so easily rife with conflict and it's like or our or our stories it's like oh i don't want to step into more of that but it's it's knowing that in Jesus, there is victory. One, first of all, there's victory in, through what Christ has done for us. And we have no idea what's on the other end of it. It's like, yeah, it's messy. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. it's uncomfortable. But you will be surprised at what comes out yeah. of it. Perseverance only comes through conflict. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't have perseverance without it. All right. Here's the final thing. And it's nothing to do with the text. Okay. Brilliant. So we had the seven plot lines. Yeah. What is your favorite type of movie? What's your favorite type of story? Like, are you a comedy, tragedy, mm. overcoming the, the monster? Different, different story the types, monster, yeah. Overcoming okay. the monster, okay. How about yours? Probably um, speaks to the eight in me. Yeah. I don't know. I can only think of, like, what kind of books I like to read, which is um, Enemies to Lovers. <laughs> Enemies to Lovers? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which one that is. But that's my favorite kind of book to read. All right, here we go. Sean's, Sean's got right. Here we go. Ready? Here they are. Overcoming the Monster, Rags to Riches, The Quest, Voyage and Return, Comedy, Tragedy, Rebirth and Renewal. Probably Rebirth and Renewal. Rebirth and, and Renewal. And I'm going to change mine to The Quest. The I actually, quest? yes, I do like Quest. Do you have a, is there a movie that stands out for you that you're like, oh, I love this movie? Uh, not a movie, but lately I've been really into Survivor. 
And I feel like that's very questful. You don't see this, but I'm walking out of the room right now. No. <laughs> you can, man. No, you can. There's actually a Disney show called The Quest that merged fantasy with a reality show. And it's with kids, but they've got a fantasy that. element to it with like a play and stuff. Cool. Yeah, it's called The Quest. You'd probably like it. How about you, John? No, I, I, I do... I do like a good overcoming the monster story because um, that takes a lot of different forms. And it, that's that's big in fantasy writing. There's a lot okay. of, you know, big bad. So and what's cool about that is monsters aren't always like monsters. No, no, no. Like no, that's no. the thing that's like. It's like yeah. one degree off. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. How about what would yours be? Um, either Rebirth and Renewal, but I'm trying to think of like, what's my favorite movie? My favorite movie of all time is Big Gosh. Fish. Oh, really? Um, with yeah. Ewan McGregor. I can totally see that. And well, the dad in this movie, spoiler alert, the dad in this movie tells a lot of lies, but what they really are is just fantastical ways of describing his life um, and kind of how humans for all of humanity have told stories like this. And his how he tells his son about his life is through these fantastical stories. Yep. And his son grows up being very resentful and being like, you lied to me about your whole life. I don't know anything real about you. Um, my dad used to tell me a lot of ridiculous things to mm -hmm. love me and protect me. He still does to this day, and I love my dad very much. And that's probably why I connect with it. And it and it and he has this horrible experience where he, how his perspective made him feel like his dad was lying to him and hated him. By the end of the movie, his dad is passing away, dying, and he's there at his last moments, and he tells him the story of how he dies. And it's just like this redemption moment mm -hmm. of re being reborn into the storyteller. That's the redemption, reborn, redemption. I bet, yeah. yeah. And seeing the truth in all of the stories yeah, that he movie. told over his whole life. Yeah. I think most people would assume that I love comedy, and I do, but I uh -huh. don't think my favorite, my favorite probably is uh, Overcoming the Monster yeah. um, or Voyage and Return. Yeah. Um, it's not the quest, but I love the adventure. Yeah, I love Because quest doesn't always mean an adventure, but that there's you bring those elements. Now, if you can make those funny, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, just probably. Yeah, yeah, that's same movie. And you know what? You know what movie I, I like the least okay. is uh, I think the least one I like is Rags to Riches. I think oh, that it gets okay. like Oliver Twist, where it starts to get overdone sometimes, and how they do it can be very campy. Yeah, I that's sure. I that's my least favorite. <laughs> I didn't ask you yours, so we're gonna end with that. <laughs> What'd you say? I just said unbelievable. <laughs> You're crumbelievable. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, hey, uh, if you hadn't, if you didn't get a chance, uh, unfortunately, we did not get last week's message recorded. We had some technical difficulties. Um, however, the testimony is available for the Lesters and the Doran camps will be available coming up here this week. And then uh, if you have friends, maybe they need to, maybe they need a story, invite them to the final week, which is next week. We got a baptism. We got, it's, so cool. it's going to be a great morning, exciting. We're going to hear one final testimony uh, from a dear brother a guy. I'm really excited for him to share. Um, if you found this helpful, share it with somebody. Thanks to all our faithful listeners out there. And we hope you found this encouraging, inspiring, but more importantly, pointed you to Jesus. Uh, this is Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I love Bob Goff and this is Kate. Jennifer. And I'm John. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.